Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Now here's Pastor Marco De Barros. So get, get your Bibles. We're going to go to Matthew 16. I want to continue what we started last week. We, we, we took a fresh look at who Jesus is. Very powerful, important question. Probably the most important question you will ever ask in your life. Who is Jesus? Because that question has repercussions for how you live your life. See, Jesus wasn't looking for an educational answer. He was looking for an experiential answer. In other words, how well do you know me personally? Because if you, all, all you do is have information about me, that doesn't change a thing. Right? It's not the information. It's the application. Can you say amen? And I gave you an equation last week that proximity plus intimacy equals experience. Some people are paying attention. That's good. You know, proximity plus intimacy equals experience. In other words, the closer you are to Jesus, the more intimate you are with him, the more experiences you have with him. You know, and, it, and it's an ongoing thing, but it doesn't stop. Like, like the worst thing that could happen to any of us is to stop asking that question. It's to get stagnant. You know, some people uh, say things like, I remember when I used to be excited about Jesus. It's like, wait, what happened? Still the same Jesus. Still the same God. He's still active. He's still alive. He's still working. And so we cannot stop asking that question. But I want to I wanna, I wanna look at the second part of this conversation, which is powerful, because Jesus says, okay, now that you know who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. Because to know Jesus is to know your true self. And so we're going to pick up this conversation. Um, but I want to read the whole thing so we can get the full context. If you missed it, go to our podcast. You can listen to it. You can watch it on YouTube. We're trying to do our best to put the word out there. Amen. Uh, Matthew 16, 13 says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or, or one of the prophets. Because it all depends on how close you are to him, you'll have different opinions of him. Then he asked them, he's like, well, you guys are close to me, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter, always the loud mouth of the 12, he's always the first one. Simon Peter's that kid in class. I was always raising his hand. You get mad at That's Simon Peter right there. <laughs> he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. We need revelation, not information. That's the difference. Okay. And then this is, this is where I really want to spend my time on today. Jesus says, now. Now that you know who I am, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will give you keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Can you say amen? Amen. This is why it's so powerful to read the Bible. Because I don't know about you, but just reading that already speaks to me. That God has an identity for us. He says, now that you know me, I'm going to tell you who you are. See, that's the beauty of this walk, right? That it's not just about knowing information about God. It's actually trying to reveal things to us. Like, God is personal. I'm amazed at how personal he is because as I'm speaking... He translates his will to you personally. Isn't that incredible? 
that we're all here, but God knows exactly what he wants to say to you. How many people come up to me like, you were talking to me. I'm like, I don't even know you. But God does. God knows exactly where you are, right? And he knows exactly what you need to hear. But the point is not to hear. The point is to become. I hope you catch that. The point is to become somebody. It's to become something. Like, like the goal here is to reveal identity. Because that's one of the greatest struggles in life. The greatest challenge in life is to find out who you really are. I think all of us, directly or indirectly, we're always asking the question, who am I really? Right? And, 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 and depending on where you are in your journey, there's different ways that you answer that question. Right? But the identity struggle is constant. Whether you are in, in kindergarten or you are 50 years old, you are always asking the question directly or indirectly, but who am I? And we ask those questions daily by how we live our lives. We're looking for affirmation. We're looking for approval. Even the people that are like, I don't care what anybody thinks about me, they care. Actually, those will say the most, the more they care. If you notice that, I don't care. It's like, uh, if you didn't, then why you keep talking about it? Right? There's always, like, every other post on Facebook is about, this is who I am. I don't care what you are. It's like, yeah, well, you're talking to somebody. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Right? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constant battle, and it's okay because I believe that's one of the quests of life is to find out who we truly are. Right? We all want to know who we truly are. Better yet, we all want to reach our full potential. I think all of us longs to reach our full potential. I think it's, it's embedded in us to ask that question. And I think it's better in us to pursue the answer to that question, right? All of us want to know, who am I and why am I here and what is my full potential? And that's why I believe that this question, who is Jesus, is so critical because then he asks, and then you begin to unfold the question, but who am I? It's hard to know who you fully are if you don't know that you're the one that created you in the first place, right? When someone creates something, they know they created it for a purpose, Right? You're sitting on a chair that someone designed. That chair doesn't just appear. Can you imagine you walked in here and you're like, where did that chair come? You're like, I don't know. Over millions of years, the chair, it started as a bolt and then it began to develop itself into a chair. Somehow, it took about five million years, but now we have a chair. Isn't it crazy some people think that's what life is all about? Like we started from this primordial beings and, and the things just happened to combine and all of a sudden here we are, you know, five, seven million years later. I don't know about you, but that's pretty bananas. Because nothing that exists just exists. There's a creator. The, ch- the person that designed this chair had it in mind to come up with this chair. Can you imagine if he came up with this chair by accident? I just happened to put this together and whoa, oh. It's a chair. <laughs> no, everything has a designer, including you. You have a designer. You have a creator. You have someone that built you the way that you are. The struggle, though, with us is that we're not immovable objects. We're real people with real battles, with real struggles, with real dreams, with real hopes. And we have this thing that, for some reason, we can't get away from it, and we keep missing the point. It's called sin. The battle with us is that, is that God has spoken over us, but this, whole, this, whole, this thing has gotten a hold of us. 
And so what happens with sin is, miss, remember, the, the word sin means missing the mark. It means that the, that, that the version that I am is always, unfortunately, marked by sin. In other words, the Bible put it this way. He says, all of us fall short. Why? Because we're all missing the mark somehow. And in our quest to find it, we'll do all sorts of things to try to find our way back to our original state. And the good news is that God doesn't leave you in your original state. He comes to reveal himself to you again. That's what grace is all about. It's God saying again, I want to reestablish who I created you to be before sin marked your life. You know? And that's the quest that you made it, isn't it? To keep finding ourselves. That's the battle that we have. We want to reach our full potential. I think at the end of the day, all of us at some point, we're wrestling with those questions. Sometimes, some of us, we stay up at night wondering, what's the point? Some of us cry ourselves to sleep. Some of us come to church because we're like, man, I tried everything else. And I'm, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're asking these questions because, because life is not worth living without examining. Like we're supposed to wrestle with these things. God encourages you to wrestle with these things. God is not afraid of your big questions. God is not afraid of your quest. The problem is, is when we settle for something less. This is why Jesus says, now that you know who I am, I need, to, I need to speak over you. This is who you are. Right? Because there's always a version of you, but God is trying to get to the real version of you. There's a version of you that people think you are. There's a version of you that you think people think that you are. Have I messed you up yet? There's a projected version of ourselves that, that we would love for people to see us. There's a Facebook version of us. <laughs> right? Some of us, there's a midnight version of us. Okay, we won't. <laughs> too real, too real. I just had a memory. I was in college. I mean, we were in a Christian school, and some of the some of the some of the people would would, uh, would we're in Boston, and so they they on the weekend they, they would they would they would put on on on, on sweaters and, and hoodies and sweatpants, but underneath they had club clothes on, and they would club and they would go from Boston all the way to Providence because they didn't want anyone to know what they were up to. But it's like, listen, no matter where you go, you're not being you. If you have to go club in a different uh, place, it's because you're still struggling with who you really are. You know, I hope you get it. This is not a condemnation thing. This is just a reality. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just commenting on the things that we do when we don't really know who we are. That's just a reality. Because I, I did it. That's why I can talk about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's an explosion of life that happens when you meet Jesus. I, I believe that, that, that the Bible says this. Well, I don't believe the Bible says it. That, that, that God created you with eternity in mind, and then your heart is restless until you find him. That's why we do all this stuff and we don't feel satisfied. Right? That's why some people did the clubbing thing, but they, they woke up the next day like, come on, it's got to be. It's got to be something else. So that's the quest. And I love the fact that Jesus answers the questions for us. He says, you, you know who I am? Because if you know who I am, you're going to know who you are, who you really are. Not a version of you, but the real one that was created for a purpose 
and for a reason. Can you say amen? He's talking to Peter, but he's talking to you, really. Because that's the point of scriptures. But you're reading it right when you take his name out and you put your name in there. Because he's talking to us. See, see, the point is not to give us a cute sermon so we can go home and feel better about ourselves. No, the point is to reveal your purpose. Because your identity will lead to your purpose. Right? And your purpose leads to your destiny. It is the three greatest questions we ask in life. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? I don't care if you're Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, Hindu. doesn't matter what. You're asking those three questions. And I believe Jesus has the answer to those questions. And he gives us... Right here in this passage, we live in a society that is obsessed with makeovers. Have you noticed? We love makeovers. Remember a few years ago, we used to have the show Extreme Home Makeover? They used to have that bus. Move that bus. Remember that? It's like the highlight of Sundays. You're like, oh, my God, look at that. They took a one-bedroom home and turned it into a mansion. Come to New Bedford. Move that bus. I wish we had that for the building, you know what I mean? Let's put a bus in front of it and then move that bus and it's like, whoa, look at this. No, we got to work, 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 work. <laughs> and then there's all the makeovers about, you know, change your hairstyle, you know, the, the clothes that you wear. Uh, I remember my wife used to love this show called Why Not to Wear, you know what I mean? And, and they, they, they talk about, you know, the different things you can wear and all that stuff and it's pretty cool. And then nowadays... Nowadays, it's all about your intake, your calories. If you notice that, you can't talk to people. You cannot enjoy a meal anymore. Someone will always ruin it for you. Right? You're excited, man. You got your burger. Do you know how many calories? Just trying to enjoy my burger. Like, if I care about the calories, I wouldn't buy it in the first place. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's always that friend. Hater. Just trying to enjoy my burger. But we, we're obsessed with the external. But I think something, God's talking about something deeper here. He's talking about a spiritual, a soul makeover. Like an inside job makeover. Because the problem is sometimes we can change the shirt, but the heart, though. Sometimes you can get the house, but not get a home. Sometimes you can get the person, but you didn't get a soulmate. Sometimes you can get a job, but you didn't get a calling. Sometimes you can go to church, but it doesn't mean you became church. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a difference between the surface and the deeper. There's a difference. You can have the kid, doesn't mean you became a parent. There's a difference. I don't think God does surface things. I think God loves your new shirt as long as it's attached to a new heart. I think God loves your house as long as it becomes a home where his presence is felt and then you feel everything that he has for you. I don't think God is, I think God loves relationships that's going to honor him and bless him and it's going to honor you back. It's going to bless you back. I believe God wants you to work, but he wants to give you more than a job. He wants to give you a calling. He wants to more to go to church. He wants you to become church. There's a deeper work that God wants to do in us. It's an inside out job. 
You know, it's so amazing that the Bible says you've got to put on the Lord Jesus. In other words, if you want to have a makeover, put on Jesus. Like, put on him. Like, like he says, he says like, just the way you put on clothes, you should put on Christ. He becomes the full makeover that we're all looking for. Can you say amen? I believe this. You don't know who you really are until you meet Jesus. You only know a version of yourself. You only know a version that's not the full version of God created you to be. It's like this. I was thinking about this. We long to be ourselves. We just don't know how to do it without God. We we, we want to. We just don't know how to do it. It's It's like a fish trying to be a bird. You know you can free Nemo, but also kill Nemo. Because you put Nemo out of the environment that he's not supposed to be. Nemo's supposed to flourish in water. Like Nemo needs water. Just like Nemo needs water, God... Equipped us to live a certain way where we are relying on Him. Like, just like Nemo cannot flourish if you think you're setting Him free. Because a lot of times people think freedom is doing everything I want to do. No, freedom is the ability to do the things you need to do. Because sometimes you can do things you want to do, but it doesn't mean it leads to freedom. It looks more like bondage than freedom. So, setting Nemo free is actually killing Nemo because the boundaries of the water is actually a good thing because God created Nemo for the water. What did you learn in church today? Don't free Nemo. <laughs> Find him, but keep him in the water. Right? There, there, there's, but why? Because there's an element of creation for the fish. Just like there's an element of creation for the birds. You know, one of the things I like to do is to go out and meditate. And I love, that's one of the things I love about living in this area, because I love the ocean. I love to see the dynamics of things that we didn't create. It's always fascinating why we can create all this stuff, but the most fascinating ones are the ones we didn't create. Like the water and the ocean and the bird. Like sometimes I just sit there and I see a bird and it's like Jesus talks to me and says, just what I'm talking about, not a care in the world. They're just doing what they were created to do in the first place. And I believe this. God is trying to take us to a place where we feel exactly the way we're meant to feel and live exactly the way we're meant to live. Just like a bird, just like, just like a fish, just like any other thing that was created by God has a purpose. We're supposed to have that. We're supposed to feel like we're in our element. And I feel like something is missing, missing the mark. Because right? sometimes, you know, it's like a fish trying to be a bird and it's like a monkey trying to be a human being. We've talked about that, but we know there's a difference. One is behind cage. <laughs> right? Like, like, like if, if we really evolve into that, then at some point, then why, what happened? Why is there a separation between the two? I don't want to get into science and all that. But it's like sometimes you see human beings trying to be dogs. And you're like, in what ways human beings try to be dogs? Well, because sometimes we live our lives just chasing skirts. Hello. Just sniffing. <laughs> but there's a difference between chasing skirts and having someone to do life with. There's a difference. And I think this is the identity God is talking about. See, he said, Peter, you, you are Simon, I know, but I call you Peter. Right? See, see there's, there's a natural us, and then there's a spiritual us. And, and the beauty of what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to converge the two. To say, no, no, there's no contradiction. It's just about becoming fully who I created you to be. 
Here's what's cool. Like, God loves to do this. He loves to play with words and names. Simon means, in Hebrew, means he has heard. That's what Simon means in Hebrew. He has heard. Peter means the rock or the pillar. We're like, we like to joke about here, like you want to be a noodle or a pillar, right? Simon is a rock, right? So, so think about it. Jesus is saying, yeah, I call you Simon Peter. You have heard and you are a rock. Why does he do that? Because he said, I don't want you to just hear the word. I want you to be a doer of the word. When you put the two together, then you become really who I'm calling you to be. I don't want you to just hear what I'm trying to say to you. I want you to actually become what I'm trying to say to you. You are a rock like upon you. I will build. Like I will do the things that I speak will come into existence. Why? Because I'm not a God that does things half-hearted. I'm a God that does things full-hearted. I don't just tell you to hear. I want you to do what I'm calling you to do. That's the battle of church. A lot of people hear. But God's trying to say, I, want, I don't want you to just hear. I want you to be and do. You are a human being. And when you know who you are, then you do certain things. Okay? So he's speaking prophetically to Peter's life. Right? Because if you trace Peter's life, you know that the next day Peter was on this rock. And that's the beauty of grace. It's a work in progress. God is saying, like, I'm speaking over the person you're meant to be in the first place, not who you are right now. The problem with this is we spend too much time talking about who we are as opposed to who we're meant to be. If we keep talking about who we are, we will never become who we're meant to be. See, church people are meant to be prophetic people. Prophecy is not just about speaking, you know, some Armageddon thing in the future. Prophecy is about speaking your life into existence. It's about becoming everything that God created you to be. I believe that God's word is prophetic. That's why you say, you're talking right to me. Why? Because God's prophetic. He's speaking right to your heart. He's saying, I know who you are, but I know who I created you to be. Now let's begin to bridge the gap between who you are and who you're meant to be. And that's, and that's a work in progress. If you look at Peter... He's saying to you, you're going to be an immovable force. That's what a pillar is. Get that picture. Every house has pillars, right? That's what he's saying. I want you to be a pillar in my house, an immovable force. Even though he knows Peter at this point is flaky. You know the life Peter's story, right? We're going to get to that in a second. But we know Peter had his moments. Don't you love that about God? Like he's not saying, Peter, not right now. I'm talking about where you're going. You're not there yet, Peter, but you're on your way. Right? That's the beauty of this thing. He's not saying tomorrow. Right? He's saying, you know, progressively, Peter, I'm taking you to this place where you'll be able to know that you are this immovable force. And upon you, I will be able to build. When Peter catches this, right, years later, when Peter catches this and he writes his first letter, he speaks about this. Now from a different perspective. Not from a heard perspective. Now from a being perspective. Right? Because it carries way more weight when you didn't just hear it, but you lived it. Right? Look what Peter says uh, to, to the church once he understands this. When he wrote his letter, right? He says this, look. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that pleases God. That's awesome. Peter now is like, 
I'm going to speak over you what Jesus spoke over me. Because that's when you know you know Christ. God will speak over you, and then God will speak through you to other people to remind them, listen, I know where you are, but I know exactly where God is trying to take you. You're not just this person over here. You are the fullness of his will. It's just that you're being developed. You're being processed into the reality of everything that he has for you. Don't stop there. Keep going. Keep going. That's what Jesus called them, and now he calls the church that. Who's the church? You are. He's saying you're living stones. In other words, when Jesus says, I build my church, he's not talking about the building. The building is to build people. That's what we're doing right now. We're building to build people. He's saying that's what I'm calling you to do, Peter. I'm calling you to build people and everyone else that calls themselves my followers. You are living stones. And then on top of that, he says, you are his holy priests. Isn't it crazy the misconception that we have about the priesthood? The Bible blows it away. The Bible says, I'm not calling just some people to, 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 to dress in black and to hear people's confession and to take communion. No, I'm calling all of those who are my followers to become priests. What is a priest? Someone that is set apart, distinct, to do God's will. Everyone who walks with Jesus is a priest. Now, we have different callings. He says, in the priesthood, I have pastors, I have teachers, I have prophets. But all of them are supposed to be a priesthood of believers. Like right now, I don't know if you know this, but we have people right now who I consider to be priests. They're just working with our kids. They're, they're priests to our little kids. They're teaching them the ways of Jesus. That's priesthood. That's not babysitting. That's ministry. They're building these kids. They're teaching them the ways of Jesus. We have people behind the scenes. You never see them, but they come up with all this stuff. You know, I come up with the ideas. They come up with all the slides and the videos that you see and the songs that we sing today. All of the, these are all priests. We got priests on the soundboard. Priests on the lights. Who doesn't want to turn it up? He's like, I want it to feel like a club. Let's turn it. <laughs> That priest is that, no, I hope he's not the priest that's going to another city for clubbing in church. We don't need those priests. We need, I'm just talking to myself. Um, but it's a priesthood of believers. It's how God intended the church to operate. When you come in from the parking lot, there's priests, right? There's priests everywhere. We just don't wear collars and robes. Because it's not about the outward appearance, it's about the heart. Even though I really like robes. I fantasize about wearing a robe and preach. I don't know why, but I think robes are kind of cool. I don't think a robe would look really cool with J's on. Like you'd be. <laughs> I actually saw a priest with, with J's on, with robes. I was jealous. I had to repent in my heart, like, God, I want to be that guy. He's got a cool robe. He's got his J's on. He's doing your will. But God's like, I didn't call you to be him, though. Not part of the message, but don't spend your time comparing yourself with others. Waste of time. So here's the thing. Here's the question. Can Jesus build through you? He's calling you a living stone. He's saying, like, I want to build through you. But the question is, is Jesus allowed to build through you? Because Jesus doesn't do anything by force. 
right? See, that's why there's a struggle between what God speaks and what happens. Because God will speak, but I have to align myself with that word for that word to become a reality. God will prophesy, but I do play a role in that prophecy by accepting it and by allowing it. Can God build through you? Because we're all building something. All of us. It's in us to build. It's in us to build. But is God building through us? We, some of us are building families. But is God building your family? It's in us to have families. But is God building the family? Because I've seen so many times where God will bless some families with kids and the kids become the idol. Well, God says, I bless you with kids for them to be a blessing in your life, not for you to turn your life into your kids. So you hear people say, I have kids now. I can't do, I can't do the work of the ministry. Wait, you can't stop being yourself. You're being a less version of who you are. Come on, talk to me. That's not God's will. I've seen people get into relationships. And I believe relationships are from God right from the beginning. It's not good for men to be alone. I will give them Eve, a suitable helper, a suitable helper, not a hindrance. So I've seen people come in here and talk all the good game, and now that they got what they wanted, they're nowhere to be found. So is God really building that relationship? Or is it just me taking ownership of it but Christianizing it? Some people have passion for businesses. I believe it's from God. I believe God will put a, a passion in you for business, certain businesses. But then at some point, you've got to ask the question, is this business blessing God? Because we're always praying, God, bless me. But am I blessing God? Because he'll give you something to build upon, but it's supposed to be that it's going to be a blessing, not a hindrance. Like God will give you a job, but if that job becomes a hindrance, then it, was it really from God? Or are you really listening to God? Because it's not bad things that will keep you from God's will. It's good things that are not godly things. Because, because a husband and a wife are supposed to serve God together. If it's good, it won't bless God. But if it's godly, it's together we're doing God's will. A kid supposed to be a blessing in your life. We have five of them, but we made up our mind before we had any of them. God, when we have kids, we're going to throw them in the back of the trunk, and we're going to keep doing your will, and they're going to come with us and do your will with us. We're not going to stop doing your will. Because can you imagine telling the kid one day, I stop it because of you? You don't want to put that on your kid. Don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. That, that's messed up to say we, we, we stopped building because of you. He's going to need therapy. You stopped doing God's will because you had me? No, no, no. I'm supposed to be a blessing in your life. You continue to do God's will so you can teach them this is how you do it. This is how you sacrifice. This is how you go all out for Jesus. This is how you make a way. Can God build through you? See, I keep, I keep joking about work, 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 but can God Work through you. That's what he's really saying. Peter, I call you a rock, and upon you, I will build. So can God build through you? It's a serious question today. Right? Is my life 
in God's hands for real. Not the, my life is in God's hands. Because I've heard that. I've heard people unequally yoke and talk about, well, now it's up to God. Wait, he didn't make you be unequally yoked. It's up to you. <laughs> Come on, talk to me. Can God build through you? People say, I want a financial breakthrough. And what, what is that financial breakthrough going to lead to? Is it going to lead to more blessings? Because that's what he said. I'm going to build through you. Like, can I trust you with more? Because, you know, see, the thing is, the Bible is very clear on this. It says, if you're faithful in a little, then I can want to, I want to add to that. I want to add to that. So, so in other words, God, when, when he gives you a, a, a person to do life with, he's, supposed, he's trusting you with that person. You ever thought about it that way? Like, God's trusting me with this person. God's trusting me with this money. God is trusting me with this house. God is trusting me with these kids. God is trusting me with this ministry. That's what stewardship is. God is trusting me with the time. He wants me to redeem it. He wants me to live my time to the best. God is trusting me with the talents. God is trusting me with his abilities. God is trusting me with his gifts. God is trusting me. He's trusting to build through me. That's awesome. Man, what a privilege. That's not an obligation. That's not a burden. That's a privilege. God, you're trusting me with some kids. Like, are you sure? Like, I'm telling you, you think I'm joking. God, you're trusting me to preach? Are you, are you for real? Like, we have a joke. They made a Herod in heaven, and somehow we end up preaching. It's a huge responsibility, but it's a huge privilege to do God's will. And God is looking for people to say, God, I am the Peter of this generation. I believe God has called us to be the Peter of the city of this region to build upon so the gates of hell will not overcome it and we can do God's will. We're the Peters. You got to see yourself the way God sees you. We struggle with that. It's easy for us to speak over someone else's life. But he says, I want you to love your neighbors. You love yourself. God sees you as this church, not just individuals. There's a pastor, a friend of mine, that likes to say, you is the church. He's from Louisiana, Baton Rouge. He's like, you is the church. And I love that because he's getting that from scriptures. Look what scripture says in Ephesians. It says this. He says, so now you Gentiles, which everybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile, right? You are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. That's who we are. That's who we are. We're God's house. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. And together we are who he called us to be. It's not, that's why we say you is the church, because, because every time God talks about the church, he talks about it in a plural sense, like you, all of you. That's why we cannot separate this thing, like there's some priests and then there's everybody else. No, there's different callings, but we're all priests in his house. Like he called all of us to build his house, which is people. So basically, at the end of the day, the question is, is are you a person that he can build through? Even ministry. You know, I've seen people... Since we've been here, just hit me up. All they want to do is promote a platform. Even God could be used. 
Right? People call. They don't want to know what we're doing. They just want to come and promote their thing. We see it all the time. Hey, we got this thing going on. Can we come to your church and do this? Why? Why? Why didn't you come when we had 10 people? Now that we have a lot of people, now you want to come and, and, and do what? Some people don't even want to know who I am and all about. All they want to know is he's got a platform. And I dare not use God's platform to promote anything other than his kingdom and his will and his purpose. Can God build through you? Here's the thing that you will never hear someone who understands who they are in Christ say. You ready? Someone who nearly knows Jesus and knows their call and knows their identity will never say, that's not my job. There's no glamour in that. It's not sexy enough. But if everybody stops ministering to our kids, we don't have a kid's ministry. We'll shut it down. Right? If everybody is trying to do easy, you will never do God's will. If everybody's trying to do what everybody can see, we won't be a functioning body. Because I don't know about you, I'm grateful that there are parts of the body that I don't see. I'm just glad they're functioning. I'm glad my liver is functioning. I'm glad my intestine is functioning. I'm glad there are things going on. I, I, I happen to be the mouth, but that's it. There's a whole body going on here. Can you imagine how weird would it be if, if, uh, if all it was was just a mouth? You get my point? No, it's, it's you is the church. Right? This is why I love this thing about building the church ourselves, because that's ownership. You see the city yesterday, it was awesome. We had a great time. We had an awesome time. It's awesome building together. Why? Because there's ownership, there's camaraderie, man, there's fellowship, and we're and we, and we all pushing towards the same things, and, it's, and we kept celebrating every time we did something. We were doing some really cool things yesterday, including fighting seagulls. You should have seen it. On the roof, there's like a legion of them. There's eggs nests everywhere, and, 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 and guys, I got to get up there and fight with them, and I think God loves that. I think God's like, angels, watch this. This is real. Watch this. How do you think God is entertained? By us. We're funny people. You know, but it's awesome. Because, man, we're doing things that are going to last forever. We're building for eternity. A lot of people are building platforms that are temporary. We're building things that are eternal. Things that will last forever. And that's priceless. Fighting seagulls. You, you can add that now to your repertoire. It's awesome. I was telling someone, like, listen, I'm learning a lot through this whole process. I didn't know I signed up to know everything that is to know about a building 
my head is swimming in legal stuff. And I'm like, man, I have no idea this is what it takes. But it's pretty awesome that God will say, I'll trust you with that, even though you have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) Because here's the thing. If you don't know what you're doing, what do you do? You cry out. But if you know what you're doing, I don't need God. No, listen, this drives me to my knees every day. God, you, you better take control of this thing because I have no idea what we're doing. But, you know, I show up and I, you know, I just show up. <laughs> I just show up. Here's the thing. Seriously, though, half the battle is just showing up. Half the battle is showing up. If you show up long enough, you're going to see results. I'm telling you, just show up. Just show up for three months. Show up for six months and, we, and see if that building is not going to be built. Just keep showing up in church. Just keep showing up in your prayer life. Keep showing up reading the word. Keep showing up serving and see if he doesn't add up. Just show up. That's half the battle. Just show up and see what God will do. Can you say amen? We are the Peters of this city and this region. God speaks over you and says, I'm going to build through you. Calls you an ambassador for him. Did you know that? You know that we have ambassadors all over this nation, all over the world, representing the United States. God's like, yo, you're my representative. Can I prove it to you? Look at this. The Bible says it. Look, so you are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We are Christ's ambassadors. Tomorrow morning, when you go to work, you're not just going to work. You're going to represent God. You need to go to work like you know in your heart, I am here as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I'm here to represent Jesus. I bet those 40 hours will feel different. I bet people that know you will turn into ministry. I bet people that break that 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 you you should be you you used to be upset about will begin to break your heart because you begin to make an appeal. Come back to God like you need Jesus. I'm here to represent God. Why do you think He gives us all kinds of things to do? Because whatever you are, there's somebody. You know, crazy what would happen if you go to work every day and say, God, I'm here to be available to you. You'd be surprised the coincidences begin to happen. You'd be surprised if your house becomes a house that belongs to the Lord. You'd be surprised if your marriage was turned over to him. You'd be surprised if your single years became years of being ambassadors for Jesus Christ. You'd be surprised how much you can do if you go to your high school and say, God, I'm here to be your ambassador. If you go to college, God, I'm here to be your ambassador. If you get married, God, this marriage is going to bless you. If I'm having kids, I'm here to bless these kids. You'd be surprised. What would happen to our lives as we live that way? He said, I will build my church. That's the good thing. The, 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 see, the outcome, that's up to Jesus. My job is to show up. My job is to show up. We showed up when there was 10 people. And if you know me, I preach the same way with 10 people. I can't help it. Because you don't, you don't preach as things are. You preach as things are meant to be. You don't live as things are. You live as they're meant to be. Take that business that you have a heart for and begin to pray what it's supposed to be. Add God to your business and watch your business flourish. The problem with us is we spend too much time talking about how things are. 
it saddens me sometimes as Christians because I hear it. People talking, it's like, same old, just hurting. But it's like, that's the next thing he said, Peter. You know what he says after that? I will build my church and I will give you keys to the kingdom. Do you understand what that is? That's heavy. When you, when you, when you close on a house, you get keys. That key represents ownership and authority. Like that key can open doors, that key can close doors. He's saying, I'm giving you authority to speak things into existence. You, 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 you have the power to dictate some things. Imagine having a key but never going in. I'm just praying about it. That's how I see some Christians live. Right? When Christians get together, this should be an explosion of binding and loosening things in Jesus' name. Like we have that power over our lives, over the region, over everything that's happening in your life. You haven't lived with Jesus long enough until you lay hands on yourself and say, I'm going to bind the spirit of depression off of me. I'm not going to live in this thing. I'm not going to live in poverty. I'm not going to live in lack. I'm not going to live anything less than what God has for me. I anoint myself in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. My mind is filled. My eyes, my ears, Lord, I'm all yours. I'm calling your name. Have your way in me, Lord. I'm not going to stay like I used to be. I'm going to be who you call me to be. I'm going to speak things into existence because because I have the power to bind and loose things. And if I say it in Jesus' name, sooner or later it will come to pass. Because his word never returns void. Do I have believers who know how to exercise their authority in Christ? That's the power to bind and loose. Sit down, I'm not done yet. That's the power. Don't be walking around whining. God never shows up to your pity party. God's always, I know in my, my, in my experience, when I'm whining, all I hear is, are you done yet? <laughs> Does God talk to you like that? Because that's how he talks to me. You done yet? Because we got stuff to do. Go look in the Bible. Elijah, are you done yet? Abraham, are you done yet? Moses, oh, I can't talk. Are you done yet? God's always saying, are you done yet? Because I'm the one that's going to empower you, equip you to live life above the level of sin and mediocrity. I have a plan for you. That's why I get concerned. I don't want a, a cruise to turn into a whining cruise. Imagine getting together. How was your week? Was it as bad as mine? It's like we're competing over how, who had the worst week. You can't go on Facebook without people calling attention to themselves. Every other post is some whining, waiting for someone to say, oh, I'm so sorry, girlfriend. <laughs> you get no sympathy from me. Self-pity is of the devil. That's not from God. Don't get me wrong. Life is hard. That's why you have to pray harder. Life is hard. Why spend time talking about the obvious? We're, we're, I mean, our society is filled with Captain Obvious. Take, tell us something that inspires and reveals. Not where we really know. Pastor, you know what's wrong with the church? Please tell me. Because 
you saw one thing, I see a hundred things. I'm trying to prophesy over those things. I'm praying for people to come alongside so we can defeat these things in Jesus' name, not talk about them. I can't wait to leave New Bedford. Well, go. Stop talking about it. be great to hear people say, I can't wait to live in the fullness of God's will for my life. I can't wait to live in everything that he has for me. Speak life. That's what he's talking about. I'm giving you keys. Keys to bind and loose. He's telling someone in first service, you know, you, you feel things in your house? Well, you have the power in Jesus' name to bind spirits, to loosen the will of God over your life. Walk around your house and begin to prophesy over this house. Jesus, you live here. The gates of hell will not prevail here. That's for me and my house. We will serve you, Lord. We're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to live in fear. We're not going to live in, in poverty. We're not going to live in lack. We're going to live in the fullness of your will. And watch heaven meet earth. That's the point of prayer, is to declare things as they ought to be. The Bible says Abraham was God's friend because he believed him that things would be exactly as God says it would be. We don't need more cute Christianese. I'm with you in the spirit. Deep quotes on Facebook, shallow lives. We don't need that. We need real Peters in real life. They will, they will say, God, here I am. You can build through me. Like You can, you can have your way. In me. I'm going to end with this. I told you it's a process. He speaks over Peter. And Peter went through some things. You know the story. You, you don't have to read the Bible to know Peter denied Jesus three times. But what, what pe- most people miss is the fact that before he denied Jesus, Jesus told them that it was going to happen. Which tells you how much God is for you. Before you fail him, he's already saying, I got you. That's amazing. That's grace. That's covering Hey, he didn't go, O-M-B. <laughs> Prophesy over that boy. Look what he did. No, he said, Peter, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Before it happened. That's grace. That's covering. That's God saying, I'm for you, even in your failures. But he doesn't stop there. Peter denies him. Jesus dies on the cross. The disciples think this is over because you would too. If you saw someone, all your hope on the cross. Three days later, he rose again and he came to them. That's grace. God doesn't wait for you to come to him. He goes to you. You think today's a coincidence? God's coming to you if you're paying attention. God is coming to you to, to talk to you. He comes to restore Peter. Peter's broken. Peter felt like, man, this is it, man. I, I can't believe I denied him three times. And when we, what do we do when we lose sight of Jesus? We go back to the old life. He went back to fishing because that's what he knew. It's comfortable. But deep down inside, we all know this is not where I'm meant to be, though. Jesus comes to restore Peter. To say, yeah, you messed up, but I'm not done with you. And he has a conversation that I believe every believer in Christ needs to have with Jesus at some point. This is a powerful, it's one of the most powerful personal conversations in the entire Bible. Jesus comes to Peter and the other disciples to have this conversation. But he's like, Peter, I'm talking to you. And I believe he's saying, I'm talking to you. 
Look, John 21, I want to end here. This is powerful. So, I hope you're reading your Bible, man. It's so good. Look, John 21. Are you there? Verse 15, look, after breakfast, because, you know, Jesus loved to eat. We talked about that last week. Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time. Remember, denied him three times. A third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. This conversation is extremely deep, especially if you understand the original. See, the word, sometimes the translation into English doesn't do it justice because, because it just says love. But every time Jesus said love, he was meaning different things. That love has different meanings. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. The first time he says, do you love me more than these? He's like, do you love me more than all these other guys here? And some commentator says he's actually pointing to, to, G, to, to Peter's lifestyle. He said, do you love me more than fishing? Do you understand what God is saying to us? Do you love me more than your platform? Do you love me more than your source of income? Do you love me more than your friends? See, it's one thing to say, I love God. I love pizza. I love cars. I love this. I love that. But he's not talking about a feeling here. He's talking about commitment. This is not emotionalism. There are some people like, I felt God today. I felt the goosebumps. And then next week, if you don't feel the goosebumps, does that mean God's not real? God's not a feeling. God is into people and commitment. I did, I did a wedding yesterday, another wedding. We have weddings like every other week now. And it's always a reminder. It's a commitment. This is not just a cute ring. It's a commitment. When I look at this ring, it's a reminder. I'm committed to my wife and my children and my home. It's a commitment. This is what he's trying to get at with Peter. Second time, do you love me? He used the word agape. In Greek, agape is the word that we use for unconditional love, unselfish love. Peter, do you love me unselfishly? Like, do you love me with everything you have, just like I love you? Like I just proved to you, I just went to the cross three days ago. I proved to you I love you with everything I have. Aren't you glad God didn't say, love you guys? In spirit. He says, no, love for God so loved the world that he sacrificed. True love sacrifices. He says, do you love me unselfishly like I love you? Then the third time, Peter, do you phileo me? Phileo is where you get the word Philadelphia from, brotherly love. Like, Peter, are we that close? 
You see, God's not looking to be a taskmaster. God's looking to be our friend and our Lord and our Savior. That's why the Bible says he's a friend that's just closer than a brother. Saying, Peter, how close are we? Too many people say that stuff too loosely. I love God. But then you look at their lives, you're like, do you really? Do you love him more than your platform? Do you love him more than your family? Because he said, even your family. If you don't love him more than your family, we're not there yet. If you don't love him more than your job, we're not there yet. If you don't love him more than preaching, we're not there yet. If you don't have an unselfish love for me, we're not there yet. I'm looking for full commitment. I'm looking for obedience. He said, notice how he answered each time. He never said, I'm so glad we had this conversation, Peter. I was kind of worried there for a little bit. But I'm glad we asked that out, you know, hashtag I love you. <laughs> now, how does he answer each time? Feed my sheep. What is that? Can I build through you? We're about to start a movement, Peter. I'm not looking for you to lead. Can I trust you? Three times, feed my sheep. Take care of my lamb. What is that? That's ministry. That's what you read later in Peter's his letters. Now he is not just Peter, he's Pastor Peter. Now he speaks the things that Jesus spoke into him. Now he's the one telling people, you are the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone and you are the living stones. But he started with this conversation. That was a deal breaker right there. I believe every person who's serious about Jesus needs to have this conversation. Do you like to go to church? That's not the question. The question is, how committed are you to me? Can I, build, can I build through you? When you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to his will. He's not looking for anything less than that. He said, if you love me, you will obey me. This is not emotionalism, people. I hope you catch this because we need to separate the two. There's a difference between getting emotional about Jesus and becoming a follower of Jesus. There's a difference. I've been in this thing long enough. I've seen it. People will come cry, and that's okay. But listen, the follow-up is what do you do after you cry? That's what he's talking about him about. Peter, I'm not here to just do an emotional thing with you. I'm here to establish that there's a commitment, there's an obedience. There's like we're going deep with this thing. I'm trusting you that I can build through you. Can, can, can we go there? Can we go there? Because this is going to cost you everything if you keep reading. He says it's going to cost you everything. And I love that about Jesus. He doesn't lie to us. He never said, hey, come follow me and everything will be awesome. It is awesome, but it has turmoil, it has tribulations, it has trials. Peter had to pay with his life. And the funny thing is, later on, Peter, man, he's fascinated because he reminds me of me and and you. The conversation is over, and Peter's like, "Uh, uh, Jesus, what about John? (laughs) Go read it. It's funny. It's what we do. God is talking to us, but we're like, what about? And I love what Jesus said. He said, mind your business. That's my translation, but that's basically what he's saying. Don't you love that about God? He's so unique. He's so individual. He's like, Pete, I'm talking to you right now. I'll talk to John. He's got his own thing. But I'm talking to you right now. Sometimes we in church, we're like, I wish someone was here. Well, I think God's talking to you, though. 
I think God is zeroing on you and saying, are you all in with me? This is not a weekend thing. This is a lifestyle. I mean, see, this building thing is going to reveal some things about us. I don't know if you didn't catch that yet. This building every day, going, sweating, giving it all out, is going to reveal some things about us. It's going to show who's flaky. It's going to show who's for real. There's going to be fights. But fights makes better people if we can stick it out. We're going to argue about some things. Some people are going to misplace their tools, and someone else is going to think, I just got blessed. You know, but I think the next few months will be revealing about who we are. Can God build through us? We asked for it, didn't we? We asked for it. Everything in your life that's good, you asked for it. Don't let it turn into something other than a blessing. You asked for those kids, didn't you? You asked for a husband, didn't you? Now you're like, oh, God. <laughs> you asked for a job. What do you think a job? Do? It's work, work, work. I tell people ministry is work. We work every day. Every single day we work. We're grinding every day. And I try to tell the younger ones that are coming up, like, I hope you understand what ministry is. Because sometimes we fall, we fall in love with just the glamour side. But there's, there's a whole lifestyle with it of working. I'm so thankful for those who are working right now with our kids. It's work. It's work. It, it, nothing, let's not try to Christianize this thing. It's work. But it's the greatest work you will ever do when you're building the church. You're building people. And Jesus is looking for people to build through. Can he build through you? Can he build through you? Or are you just a convenient Christian? If it works out. You know, some people, I would like to volunteer every six weeks. It's like, we don't believe in that. We believe in priests. Priests don't volunteer. Priests don't volunteer. Priests don't volunteer. Priests show up, and they keep showing up. I'm so thankful the last three years, some of you, you kept showing up. Seriously, shout out to you for keep showing up. I know it's not easy. You think I want to show up every week? I Actually, I do, to be honest with you. I thought you, you, you thought your hat was going somewhere else. No, I actually do. You know why? Because, because I don't have any unrealistic expectations. I know who I am. I know who God is. I know what I have to offer. So when you establish those things, you keep showing up. Right? I told you, if we didn't hit that money mark, I would still be here the next week. But I think he knows that. I think he really knows that, that we've had this conversation. We've had this conversation many times. Marco, do you love me? And do what I'm asking you to do. That's how you get blessed. Some things in our lives, we don't need to pray about it. We just need to do it. Can we get practical? We're called to be the church. 
not go to church. It's how it looks like right here to be the church. Can I show it to you? Look, this is it right here. Go to my next slide. Jesus is our message. We take that with us. We take that with us. You don't hide Jesus. Jesus said, I don't call you light for you to hide. I don't call you salt for you to lose your saltiness. In other words, you're called to influence where you are. Someone was talking to me about certain neighborhoods in New Bedford having certain spirits. I'm like, that's why you're there. Why do you think God says live there so you can, so you can bind some things and lose some things in the spirit? You have the message. That's why you're there. We are his vessels. It's through us. If not us, who? If everybody says, I don't want to do kids' ministry, who? I don't want to do the lights, who? I don't want to do parking, then who? I don't want to show up to build, then who? If not us, who? Who else? We build people. Everything that we do is to build people. Even the building that we're building is to build people. Every ministry we have, every outreach that we do, it's all to build people. All of it is to build people. The money is to build. That's all it is. We invest in the mission. Nothing says what you believe in more than what you invest in. Here's the, t- here's the takeaway today. We're it. We're it. Nobody else is coming. Remember when Rick Pitino was coaching the Celtics? Like, Larry Bird is not coming through those doors. <laughs> Peter's not coming through those doors. John's not coming through those doors. We are it. Like, we're it. Like, we're it. That's it. So quit looking around because you're it. Tell your neighbor, hey, talking to you. Talking to you. You guys can come up. We're going to finish. We are his church. This is it. We, we have a mission. We have a message. We are vessels. We are his people. Listen, we have Grow Track Saturday. If you've been in this church for more than three weeks, this is for you. I saw a guy the other day. He goes, I'm new. I've been here for nine months. I'm like, nine months? That's a baby. You ready to work yet? You ain't new. You ain't new. You guys are parents, you know what I'm talking about. Your kids are home, but they got to work. My kids, I, my wife gets, gets mad because I'm always like, yo, y'all ready to put in some work? Work, work, work. But dad, I'm 10. All right, we'll work. <laughs> dad, I want this. I want that. I'm like, you ready to work? <laughs> right? The point of having a church with a lot of people is to have a lot of people that are going to do the work of Jesus Christ and building the church. It's not just to come and look good and have a nice seat. It's the work. Like, come on now. Some of y'all have been here long enough. When are you going to work? I'm praying about it. (laughs) I'm waiting for revelation. Well, this is it. God just brought the revelation. It's time for you to put your hands to the plow, get involved in a ministry, and start doing some work. Grow track on Saturday. Get involved. Because that's what he called you. He called you to build the church. He called you to be the church, not go to church. 
It's a difference. Be the church. When we get our building, I want to get a sign that says, when you're about to leave the sanctuary, I want, this, I want to get a huge, huge sign that says you're about to enter the mission field. That's the point. You come to get revelation so you can go and be the church. Stand with me. Let me pray. Come on. I want you to pray with me. I want you to take ownership right now of this word. I don't want this to just be a hearer. We're not, we're not here to just hear the word. We're here to be doers of the word. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Would you take a moment, like personal moment right now with you and Jesus to answer that question, Jesus, to ask you today, can I build through you? Can I build through you? Can I use you? Can I fill you? Can I empower you? Do you love me more than these? More than your job? More than your family? More than the things that you think matter? Do you have an unselfish love? Do you, do, are you committed? Are you devoted? Come on, take a moment. Talk to Jesus about it. Make it personal. It's not about the person next to you. It's about you. It's about you. It's about you. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.